Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Awesome. How many of you enjoyed last week? Who was here last week? I know there was more of you here last week. Who was here last week? There we go. Who enjoyed the message that came last week? I, uh, I enjoyed it very much. It was great to have my dad in the house bringing a great word. And uh, we got to spend some fantastic time with him on, on the Monday as a staff. And really insightful, great stuff for us for this next season. Uh, season. I'm really excited about that. But uh, there was a phrase that my dad used that he kind of touched on a little bit last week. And it's a phrase that, that really hasn't left me this whole week as I've been uh, uh, preparing myself to speak. I've got to do all three today. So pray for me. Um, I haven't done three services for a really long time. So um, yeah, I really need that. Coke. Um, so, um, but uh, um, it's a phrase that hasn't hasn't left me. It's a phrase that's uh, stuck with me all week, and I really feel like um, what I want to share with you this morning is more of a a prophetic insight. It, it it might come across a little scattered. There is a theme here, and I will get to the point where we tie it all together. But I really want to uh, prophetically download some of the things that I believe God is saying for us as a church in this next season. Yeah, uh, the phrase that uh, grabbed my attention was moving from uh, deliverance into possession. It is uh, uh, something that I've been saying uh, to my wife since we, we joined Victory Church, that uh, Victory Church is moving from a realization of being just a local church to, not that there's anything wrong with that, but when God puts His hand on something, He begins to shift and transform it. And we are in the transition at the moment from a local church to what we would call an apostolic house. And what I mean by apostolic house is it's a, it's a, a church where other people come to learn. It's a church where we are, uh, by nature and virtue of the uh, resource that God has bought and given to our house, we are able to be a blessing, not just to our local church family, but also to the kingdom as a whole and and bring uh, keys for breakthrough and bring uh, discipleship and training to other people because I'm not just in this to grow Victory Church. I'm in this to grow God's church. And you know, if we had 10 churches of 10,000 people in Adelaide, we'd still only have 10% of the population. Think about that for a minute. So we need a few churches of 10,000 people. We need a few churches. If we, if we had uh, uh, that many churches, I would be super excited. So the goal for me is really to see God's kingdom established. Uh, and I believe that God has anointed us to be part of that journey. Uh, I already know that there are people that are coming into the house that are being trained in different things. I believe at least in this season, I believe people are going to come and talk to you about creative ministries. Even though you're brand new in the job, you're going to be like, I'm brand new in this. I'm, I've kind of done it before, but I'm, I'm kind of brand new. And, and what you have to have faith to believe that God has anointed you for this season to impart and to leave a deposit of faith for the future of what God is doing. Uh, I'm actually going on Friday night. Uh, I spoke to my dad on, on Thursday. I said, oh, what are you doing? And he's we're just chatting and chin wagging as you do. And, uh, and he said, oh, I just got off the phone to the, the, the youth pastor of one of the Church of Christ uh, churches north of Adelaide. I said, oh, yeah? He said, I'm going to do their, their get-together for youth pastors on next Friday night. I said, oh, that sounds cool. And he said, uh, yeah, he rang me in tears. And he said, we just feel like we're so on the outer that there's nobody there that we can draw from. And we're just so excited that you would come and spend time and speak with us. At which point I said to dad, I'll come. I'll come too. 
And so I'm going to go out there with dad and we're going to go out there and minister to these youth pastors. And we're going to, because we want to see God's kingdom established. And because we're not just a local church, we're an apostolic house. We're moving from, we're moving from a place of deliverance where it's all about us into a place of possession where it becomes all about the generations and the establishment of kingdom. Yeah. So that's the thought that kind of hasn't left me this week. And I'm like, God, what does, that, what does that mean? Have you ever heard a great message in church and you're like, well, yeah, that's great, but what now? What, what do I do with that now? How, how does that, where does that go from there? What does it look like? And, uh, and so I began to wrestle this week a little bit uh, with what that looks like and, and, and where that takes us. And okay, so what's the next phase and stage? And, and what are you doing, God? And how do we grab a hold of it and run with it? And um, I want to share with you uh, a little bit out of Numbers. And then a little bit out of Joshua, uh, I want to share a little bit out of Numbers purely uh, as a cautionary tale. Uh, if we talk about uh, deliverance to possession, immediately we think about the children of Israel. The children of Israel came out of, wow, the air conditioner's off, it went really quiet, right? Anyone else notice that hum gone? That was almost as good as when the keyboards stopped playing. Um, but um, I'm not, I'm not, oh... You people need Jesus, all right? Let's just, if you, if you need Jesus, no, I'm, just, I'm not saying I don't want the keyboards playing. I'm just saying it was a very noticeable thing when the keyboards stopped playing. Gee, everybody thinks the worst in here. <laughs> anyway, P.S., I love Suz's keyboard playing, so just relax. Um, and it was great to see you up there this morning, Suz. You did a great job. Um, she deserves a better clap than that. That was garbage. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway. So I'm like, they're, they're the people that we think of immediately. We think of the children of Israel coming out of 400 years of slavery and having this incredible moment of crossing the Red Sea. And then we talk about them going into, into the promised land with Joshua and taking Jericho and all that. And so there's this incredible journey there and a picture for us, uh, f- for us to follow. It's an amazing thing about the Bible. There's so many uh, prophetic directions and pictures that if we're reading it and really reading it, there's so many directional things that we can get out of the Word for our own life today. That's the most amazing part about the Word to me. But one of the things I found was incredibly challenging that Joshua, as he's standing on the banks of the Jordan, ready to possess, ready to move from deliverance into possession, I imagine he had this incredible feeling of deja vu. Kind of feeling like, I've been here before. And there's a reason for that. Because 40 years earlier, he had been there before. Literally, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and brought them to the border, to the banks of the promise, to to the place where they could see the very thing that God had for them to take hold of. They're standing there and they're looking over the thing that God has called them to do. And yet at that moment, for some reason, they missed it. And, and as good as it is to look at Joshua, and we're going to do that in a minute, I think it would, it would be remiss of us not to at least pay a little bit of attention to why they didn't possess the promise the first time around. And why they had to waste 40 years walking around in the desert waiting for a generation to die off before they could possess the thing that God has for them. So we're going to touch a little bit. Just quickly, uh, in Numbers here, and we're going to look at what happened the first time, and then we're going to jump forward to Joshua, and we're going to look at what happens the second time, and then we're going to talk about how we want to be like number two and not number one, yeah? And then we're good, we're done. P.S., I'm, I'm speaking tonight, and I'm going to be uh, speaking a message that I believe is going to minister to people. If you're going through stuff, if you're struggling or wrestling with some things, uh, we're going to do a ministry time. I want to preach short. We want to pray for some people. So come on out, and uh, we're just going to have a great time in church tonight, and it's going to be amazing. So come on out for that. It'll be great. 
Cool. Are you ready? Awesome. God, I pray that you would anoint your word uh, this morning from my lips. That God, it would come out in this place and it would challenge and change lives. So that the truth would go and would pierce the hearts of men and women in this place this morning. It would set captives free. It would build up things in people's lives. It would give direction and vision. Lord, your word is supernatural. It does amazing things. I, th- I pray that you'd be bigger than me in this, that you would preach this morning and not me in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So here we go. Um, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. This is the spies that had been sent out. To Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. They had this amazing moment. God has spoken and he said, I've got a promised land for you and it's flowing with milk and honey. You're not going to believe the blessing that is available to you inside the promise. They go and they pick a bunch of grapes. Have you ever had a bunch of grapes? Who likes grapes here? Who likes seedless grapes here? Come on, man. I remember those old seeded ones and you'd, you'd think it was a seedless one and you'd bite into it and you'd get that bitter, oh my God, it's got seeds. Um, They went and picked grapes and the bunch of grapes was so big that two men had to carry it. That's some grapes. It was so big, they stuck this thing on a pole and they brought it back. And it was I'm thinking like watermelon-sized thing. The grapes were enormous. There was incredible, bountiful blessing inside the promise. The very thing that God had said would be the case was the case. And you would think in that place, in that environment, that would build your faith. You would go, we went in and everything God said was true. At that that point, I'm like, woo, yeah, God's real and God's spoken and this is amazing. Not these guys. Here's what happens. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. They go on to list all the enemies that live there and where they live. And then Caleb speaks. I love Caleb. He tries to quiet the people. He says, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Here's a man whose faith has been stirred by seeing the promises of God. Well, yes. right. And then here's the response. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread the bad report among the land, uh, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. I want you to observe the escalation that happens here. The original report that they bring is we, we even saw some giants. So it's like we saw a couple of giants. By the time we get down to what we're telling the people, everybody's huge. The land itself is going to devour us. And now we're talking about all the obstacles to what God has said He's going to do. Now you would think that that seeing these enormous grapes and seeing this incredible report, that would be enough. It was certainly enough for Joshua and Caleb. They were ready to go. 
And yet the nation was turned aside from the promise of God. They refused to believe that the Word of God would be yes and amen for this situation based on a report. They took their eyes off the bigness of their God and put their eyes on the bigness of their circumstance and situation. And in the midst of that, they began to lie to themselves. The land itself will devour us. What's a stupid thing to say? What are you, 12? Look at these 12-year-old drama queens running the show over here. It's ridiculous. They've actually turned a report that was, oh, you know, it's going to be tough into the land itself is going to devour you. Let's all be dramatic, shall we? Ridiculous, ridiculous moment of fear where they let it get the better of them. Not only that, I love it. It says, we were like grasshoppers next to them. At least that's what we felt like. You know why? It's so important in this season if we're going to possess the promises of God that we don't think with our feelings. It's so important that we don't allow our fear. Oh, I just didn't feel... I didn't feel the worship this morning. Oh, it's good. It wasn't for you. We actually weren't worshipping you, so I'm not all that surprised you didn't feel it. We were actually worshipping Him. And, uh, but if you think with your feelings, you begin to lie to yourself. You begin to tell yourself that in the right mind, you would know is completely illogical. So when I say, look, we didn't come this morning to worship you, everyone goes, yeah. And yet we stand there like this. When the worship time comes, just saying, <laughs> it's all good to clap. Let's do something with it. Anyway, we felt like grasshoppers. And so our revelation of how big our God was, was affected by a revelation of how big our enemy was. And the Bible says, magnify the Lord. Can I ask you a question? When you magnify something, does it get bigger? No, your perception of it gets bigger. Oh, is anyone one of those violent people who used to burn ants with a magnifying glass? You need Jesus and we'll have an order call at the end. But when you put the magnifying glass over the ant, does the ant get bigger? Or does just your view of the ant get bigger? God cannot get any bigger than He already is. He is the original big. He is as big as it gets, baby. So when we say magnify the Lord, what we're saying is increase your perception of what's actually right in front of you. Mm. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And here we go. Here's the kicker. We're going to be dramatic again. And that's what they thought too. Oh, we, we conducted a series of interviews. And uh, the popular response to the poll that we conducted was that they thought we were grasshoppers also. What a load of codswallop. What a load of rubbish. They're lying to themselves to the point where they're lying about what other people think about them. They're spies. P.S. They didn't go in and go, hi, we're from Israel here. We're here to check stuff out. How do you feel about us? Oh, well, you're like grasshoppers. Really? That's an interesting response. That wasn't what happened. And I said this in the, in the chapel service. You know, they're like secret agents. Has anybody ever been bothered by James Bond? I'm bothered by James Bond because he's supposed to be a secret agent. And yet everywhere he goes, he tells people his name. It's like, are you, are you mental? Bond, James Bond. All right, well, there goes that. Let's look him up in the phone book. Send him a mail bomb and we're done. End of movie franchise. Freaking idiot. And that's what they thought too. So now you're speaking for the nation. Good on you. 
Sometimes we allow our imagination to get so carried away that we make the enemy and the opposition to what God is trying to do so much bigger. I'm so glad David didn't do this. I'm so glad David looked at Goliath and went, yeah, I see you, you're big, man. But my God's bigger. And if we're going to be a people who possess the promise, we can't be people who are swayed by the negative report of people who should know better. I just want a little bonus point, if I can. I always like to read the Scriptures before and after to get context for what's being spoken. And uh, I think sometimes what happens before is equally significant as what actually takes place. And then how people respond afterwards is really significant to watch that as well. So uh, I always like to do that. I think it's a good practice. And I found this really interesting Scripture, just one chapter earlier in uh, Numbers chapter 12. And basically... um, Leadership has risen up against Moses and they have said, who are you? You think you're hearing from God? You're not the only one who can hear from God. We can all hear from God too. Uh, And they're having this real moment of possible mutiny and they're trying to rise up against the leadership that's in place. Yeah, And this amazing thing happens, right? So the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud. Right now, it's either going to go really good or really bad. Because the only time the Lord descends is when he's got something to say. And it's either, Mary, you're going to have a baby, or you're in big trouble, mister. Okay, That's kind of the way it rolls. So God descends at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward, and the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. At that point, you better listen to what he says, right? And here's what he says. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. So he's establishing that there are no prophets, firstly. He's saying that I would speak to them, but I would speak to them with dreams. But me and Moses is a little bit different. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one that I trust. Excuse me, I'm just going to put that on my resume, says Moses, because he actually wrote this book. I'm just going to put that on my resume. God trusts me and calls me part of his house. That's a good thing to have on the resume, but we're not done. God says, I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. Have you ever been frustrated that it's really hard to get a straight answer out of God sometimes? It's like he's talking in riddles. Just be straight. He's just acknowledging that he does that. He's just letting you know, yes, I talk in riddles. And sometimes it's going to take some work to decipher it. But guess what? Moses was my boy, and I just gave it to him straight. (laughs) He sees the Lord, speaking of himself, as he is. And here's the kicker for me. So why were you not afraid to criticize him? Let me read that again. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant, Moses? You know, if we're, if we're going to be a people that possess the promise, right, we have to have a revelation of the bigness of our God. And I had this little theory, this little thing going, where I believe that the revelation of the bigness of your God facilitates the revelation of how you treat leadership. I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. So, if you want to possess the promise, 
perhaps you need to stop criticizing his servant Moses. Because what that says to me is you don't trust the bigness of God that he can deal with leadership if he needs to deal with leadership. Now, I'm not talking about blind loyalty where somebody tells you to do so. Let's go up in the hills and get some automatic weapons. I'm not talking about that sort of thing, right? But I'm saying when you're being led by a leader who is doing their best to hear from God face to face, is doing the carpet time with God, is seeking the face of God saying, what is the next thing for this season, God? What are you trying to do? You best be a little bit worried and concerned when you start to criticise God's anointed man or woman for the hour. Because what that says to me is you have a small God. Because I believe that God is bigger than any leader in my life. And God has the ability out of my submission and out of my prayer for my leader to bring them to correction if that's what needs to happen. Or bring me to correction if that's what needs to happen. And out of that submission comes a unity that will take us to the promise of God. But if there's not that unity, if there's not that revelation of God, when the day of battle comes, when it comes time to take a hold of your inheritance, you will look at all the things around you and discover all the reasons why not. And at that point, you'll start to think with your feelings and begin to lie to yourself. And before long, you'll find yourself walking in the wilderness for 40 some years. Let me tell you, if you feel like you've been in the wilderness for a while, maybe the criticism needs to stop. Ouch. Just saying. Get a revelation of a big God. He's bigger than any leader. He's bigger than any structure or any church. Get a revelation of Him. Because where you're going... You're going to need one. Whew. I'm just going to take a moment and have a humorous break. No, I'm joking. I, um, when 1982, a movie came out called Night Crossing. Has anyone ever seen Night Crossing? Yeah, that's what I thought. It was a big hit. <laughs> My dad used to find the weirdest movies when we were kids. Like stuff that nobody would ever heard of. Yeah, check this out. It's amazing. People would come to our house and go, that's a great movie, man. Where the hell did you find it? Anyway... It's this amazing movie about the time before uh, Germany was united, there was East and West. Um, the Berlin Wall dividing and there's you know, communism and all sorts of stuff going on there and uh, the Nazi party and craziness going on, right? And uh, it's this story about a family who built a hot air balloon under the nose of oppression and flew their family to safety. Amazing. Incredible. It's a true story. It's based on a true story. It's an amazing movie. As a kid, I used to love it. There was something about, um, I guess, the courage of conviction to do something about their situation. Where, where, we, where we are is not good enough. Where we are is not the fullness of what life has to offer us. And, uh, and so they, they made this balloon. They had one attempt and it, the balloon didn't work and it was too small or something was wrong with it. And you know, they nearly got caught and it's all this suspense and tenseness and the whole thing. And it was based on a true story of a family who literally saw the reality of their condition and went, you know what, this is not enough. We need to be free. We're not staying here and we're prepared to pay a, pay a price that could even cost us everything. This is a, something we're about to risk to move into the next. You know what? Uh, God is calling us into a new season. He's calling us to cross over from deliverance into promise. And, and there's a cost that is attached to that. Right? For the children of Israel, in order to possess the promise, that they, they had to realize and understand that the manna was about to stop. And so was the quail. 
So we've done 40 years in the desert where Jesus has just fed me. I just walked around picking stuff up off the floor. Mars bars from heaven, just crazy. 40 years of having to do no work. And all of a sudden, God's saying, I've got a promise for you, but there's work attached. It's going to cost you something. But see, the 40 years in the desert, that costs you something too. That costs you an entire generation. What's more expensive? And so here we have Joshua. I started with Joshua at the banks of the Jordan. Here's Joshua having massive deja vu. I've been here before. You know what? I could have gone in before because I was one of the ones that wanted to come here before. I love about his heart that he's not bitter. I love about his heart that he's not like, you stinking people, I've wasted 40. It wasn't that at all. He's like, here I am. I get my moment. Thank you, God, for a second chance. And he's standing on the banks of the Jordan, which is in full flood. And all of his security is gone because Moses has just passed away. And up until this point, Moses was the guy. So he went up and he spoke to God and Joshua just kind of waited for the download. And he went to the tabernacle and he met with God and Joshua just waited outside. And, and his safety net for such a long time had been the fact that Moses would go and get the download from God and then he would just get the download from Moses. It was cool. It worked. It was a good system. And now all of a sudden, uh, um, the first thing the Lord speaks to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Duh. We know this, right? God just yanks the rug. He's like, I know you've relied on this for a long time, but this is gone. And now it looks like this. And in that moment, he does something really, really important, I think, for us in this next season. As much as getting a revelation of God and, and making sure that we, we honor leadership in this next season and, and not allowing ourselves to think with our feelings and all those things are really important, there's something that needs to happen here where God needs to speak and He begins to encourage. To encourage means to put courage in. I've heard it said that, 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 that courage is not the absence of fear, but simply the willingness to face fear. And, and so we have a scared Joshua who's standing on the, on the banks of this river going, you know what? This is scary. Moses is gone. No more quail. If God doesn't come through, I'm just going to have a million hungry whinges standing behind me. Good day. Not. He's standing there and he's filled with fear and apprehension and God begins to speak to him. And he says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, be strong and courageous because that's what he needed to know. Why? For you are the one that will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Church, be strong and courageous. Why? Because you are the one that God has chosen. And there's promises in place that He's fulfilling now. Some of you have been in this church for a really long time. I got Ben to send me earlier in the week a whole series of the prophetic words that have been spoken over this house over the years. And I've got to tell you, it stirred my faith to read them. I would be here all day if I decided to read them out to you. But um, amazing things about this house. And, and, and my faith was stirred. God has got a promise for this house. And we need to stand and be encouraged to be strong and courageous based on the fact that God has promised certain things to this house about being an apostolic house, about being somewhere that people would come to be resourced, about being a place where broken would become and be restored. There are promises that are in this house that we are actually about to take a hold of. So be strong and courageous in this next season. And then God says again, be strong and very courageous. How many of you know if he says it this many times, he probably means it, right? 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions that Moses gave to you. Bam, there's a reference to leadership again. Be careful to obey. It's going to take strength and courage to be obedient. Do not deviate from them, turning to the left or right. Be strong and courageous because you need to be focused in this season. You know, we said at the start of the year, we're throwing everything up in the air to see what God wants for this next season. Why? Because stuff we were doing was bad? No. Because we have to be more focused. Not deviate to the left or the right, but do exactly what God has called us to do in this season because we're determined to cross over. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. You know what? It's a new season for the church. It's a new season for the word. Be strong and courageous and get in your word. Because now is the time to be in the word. It's time to meditate on it day and night. It's time not to deviate from what it says. It's time to stop arguing about what the Bible doesn't say and just get stuck in doing the things the Bible does say. Mm. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? Because I am with you. That's why. So you can be strong and courageous because there's a promise and you can be strong and courageous because there's a prophetic word and because you've been chosen. You can be strong and courageous because you fill yourself with faith by reading the word and because there's a focus that exists. But the, the biggest thing that you need to be strong and courageous about is the fact that God is with you. And this is the bit that they missed in numbers. We can't beat them. You don't have to. God's promise was, you go in, I'll do the work. And sometimes we look at the work that needs to be done to win the city. And we think, I can't. God says, just go in. I'm going to do it, but I want you to see what I'm about to do. I want you to be part of the miracle. I want you to be part of the breakthrough. Uh, Nearly done. You with me? I don't even know what time I'm supposed to finish. Whatever. (laughs) We'll just keep going. Here we go. So here we have the moment where they begin to enter into a place where we're going to cross over. And there's a few things I want to bring from here. Then I've got five points, quick ones, and then we're done. Yeah? Everyone's awake? Tap the person next to you and say, are you awake? Fantastic. If they're not, slap them really hard. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kidding. I shouldn't say that with all these youth in the room. (laughs) It's going to get ugly, right? Okay. Joshua chapter 3. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Awesome. First point is come in. If you're writing notes, it's come in. Move out from your positions and follow them. They had positioned themselves for three days. They had set up camp and then God says, I want you to move from where you are and I want you to follow. I believe the word for the, of the Lord in this season is for us to move from somewhere where we've set ourselves up and camped and been comfortable and it's time for us to enter into a new phase of following. It's time for us to enter into, and this is why our understanding of God and our understanding of leadership is so important because if you don't understand leadership, then you can't follow well. 
And God is calling us in this season, if we're going to make the transition when it's required, we have to learn how to follow well. And so we see Him go, you need to follow. Since you've never travelled this way before, understand God is doing something in this house that has never been seen before. Just let that sink in. There's been some great things that have happened in the kingdom of God around the world and in different places at different stages of time. God is doing something in Victory Church that has never been seen before. That's why leadership is important. Because you don't know what He's about to do. And God always works through an ordained leader. So He's going to download to our leadership. And our fellowship has to be on point. Otherwise, we'll be standing on the other side of the Jordan going, hey, you forgot me. Hey, our fellowship needs to go to another point. Stay about a half mile behind. Just a bonus point. Um, it says the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the priest is going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was like uh, the manifest presence of God back in the day. And so uh, I, just, I really believe this is a word for our, our worship team in this season, that our worship on a Sunday is going to go to a new level. Uh, what we're doing here, and it's, uh, you know, partly that's why Elise has been released into this season is partly because of what God's put on her and in her. But, but can I say it's on you as well? It's on how you worship. These, these guys lead worship, but we worship. Yeah. Um, and so I want to encourage you to follow well, even in the worship, uh, that when you see the presence of God being lifted up, that you follow uh, the presence of God, because that's what's going to take us to destiny. That's what's going to take us across the other sides. So I just want to encourage you, just a friendly uh, stir up. Let's, let's make sure that we follow well in this season. Uh, uh, when we see God's presence and God's name be lifted up in the house, let's make sure that we're paying attention. Let's make sure that we're, we're li- oh, if that's where we're going, if the worship leader says, we'll lift your hands, then I'm going to lift my hands because I'm going to follow because we're about to possess the promise. I don't want to get left behind, yeah? Awesome. Okay, cool. Bonus, bonus point. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves so tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. I think it's exciting. God is about to do great wonders. Great wonders among us. It's going to be amazing. So first point was come in, right? The Bible says in chapter chapter 3, verse 13, it says, As the priests will carry the ark of the Lord of the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water. Now, with Moses, he just stretched out his staff, and the sea opened, and they got to walk through an already existing miracle. But with Joshua, God's kind of like saying, look, I want to stretch your faith a little bit. And what I want you to do this time, because I don't work the same way all the time, and because, P.S., I'm painting a picture here that I'm going to get to, uh, I want you to actually get your feet wet. I want you to actually come in. I want you to actually step into the water before there's a reason to step into the water. Anybody can step in once the gap's already been made. But it takes somebody with faith in their heart to get their feet a little bit wet on the chance that God might do something amazing. I believe the first element to us crossing into the next season is being a people that get their feet wet. That don't wait for God to be obviously, oh, that's, that doesn't take any faith. What takes faith is to step into an overflowing, flooding river with no possible reason and no precedent as to how this works. And yet God said, so I'm going to step. And when I step, bang, breakthrough comes. And we see this amazing miracle where the water begins to stack up and the land becomes dry and they walk through. But it started with somebody getting their feet wet. 
Will we be a church that doesn't wait for, oh, God's moving now, I can tell because people are falling down. Or will we be the kind of people that say, you know what? I'm gonna bring a move of God by stepping in where there's no possible way, stepping into the impossible, stepping into the unknown, stepping into the unseen and allow God to do something amazing. Come in. The second one was come out. Once the people had crossed through the Jordan, Joshua called to the priest and said, come up out. You know, the temptation for us is to, to camp out in a moment. Can you imagine how miraculous it would have looked? And, and understand, I think it would take incredible faith because not only did they cross the river, but they crossed it under the shadow of a wall of water that was backing up. Right? That takes a bit of faith. But, but I know Christians who would want to set up a church in the middle of the river. Have you been to the river, brother? <laughs> We're going to roll around on the floor and bark like a dog. Do lots of weird things that nobody will understand because we're in the river. Now, the river was a moment of transition. It wasn't somewhere you're supposed to camp. And uh, come up out. We're going to see amazing miracles of what God is going to do in this next season. And the temptation will be to camp at comfortable, to camp at what's known, to try and make a monument out of what God is doing in the moment. God never said that. He said, take stones from the riverbed and make a monument over here in the future that your generations and people can see. And then he didn't say, stay at the monument. He just said, make a monument so you can remember what I did and then just keep moving. Yeah? Um, and so I, I feel like God is saying, you've got to go in, but you've got to come out too. So you've got to actually get stuck into, we can have these incredible moments where God moves in anointing and power, but then we've got to get stuck into the process of discipleship and what that actually looks like. We've got to get stuck into the walk. We can't just stay in the moment. We can't just stay in, oh, look, i got goosebumps. We actually have to move into the promise of God, which is, is going to require some things from us. So God is saying, come in, come out. Then he says, I want you to build a monument out of the stones from the midst of your miracle. Never forget the great things that God does. Can I encourage you? Let's never, ever forget or stop talking about 21 days of fasting at the start of 2015. Let's always refer back because I know sitting in this room, I know people that I've had conversations with whose lives were changed forever as a result of what they encountered God in those 21 days. How many of you encountered God in those prayer meetings in such a real and significant way that you'll never be the same again? Anyone here? I definitely encountered God in those prayer meetings and there's hands all over this place. The temptation would be, let's have a prayer meeting every week. The truth is it was just a moment that we were having where we obeyed God's mandate for that season. We did what He required from us, but the breakthrough wasn't in the prayer meeting. The breakthrough was in your faith that you brought to that moment and you can live in that place without living in that place. Mm. Come in, come out, come back. Come back to those moments. Bring your kids. You know what's important to bring your kids to things like that? See what's happening here? That's where Victory Church was birthed. See what's happening here? That's when God started to do this. See what's happening at, at Summerfest and Winter Project. See what's happening at Sigwo. See what's happening at the bloke. See what's happening. At the, bring your kids and show them. These are the rocks that God gave us in the middle of an incredible breakthrough, an incredible miracle where God did something that had never been done before. It was amazing. It was, it was unheard of. It doesn't mean we're going to do it forever. But we don't want to forget either the great things that God did in those moments. The bloke was a God moment. It'll always be a rock. We may go back to it. We may not. Who knows? But it will always be a rock that we can go back to and say, look what God did there. 
Come in, come out, come back. My next point, when you get through, is come on, Leighton Hewitt style. Come on! Because they went into the promise and then it wasn't all beer and Skittles. They went into the promise and the first thing that they had to do was take one of the most heavily fortified cities that had ever been seen. They used to race chariots around the top of this thing. The walls were so thick. There was no possible way that they could take this city with the people that they had. They stood and they looked at the impossible like, God, this is ridiculous. And God went, come on. I told you already. This battle's mine. All you got to do is walk. You know what? In life, we'll go through things. The battle is the Lord's. All you have to do is walk. And then there's this incredible moment in Joshua chapter 7, I think. No, 6. Anyway, they walked around for six days. On the seventh day, they walked around. And then the trumpet sounded. And then the walls fell down. No. Then the trumpet sounded. And then the people opened their mouth. Then the walls fell down. And, and, and the come on that God is calling to us in, in this season is for us to begin to open our mouth and declare the promises of God. We, we haven't got room or space for the negative reports from the 12 spies because we're so busy praising for the rocks that we just pulled out of the middle of our miracle that the noise of your negative report is drowned out in the praise of a generation who has seen God move. And so God is saying to us in this next season, if you want to truly possess the promise, it's it's about what's coming out of your mouth. It's about your report. It's about the praise that's coming out because in your praise, I can work wonders. In your praise, I can take out walls and cities. In your praise, I can take out enemies. In your praise, I can deliver nations. In your praise, I can position you for promise. There's a battle that is won in your mouth. And then we come on to destiny. Come in, come out, come back, come on, come to destiny. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 3, story about Jesus who goes in to the Jordan and then out of the Jordan. And God reminds him and then he's tested and then his ministry begins. Come in, come out, Come back. Come on. Come to destiny. All the way back in Joshua, God is bragging on Jesus. If you see it, he was bragging on Jesus all the way back then. This is how it's going to work. He's going to go into the Jordan. He's going to come out of the Jordan. I'm going to remind everybody, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Then he's going to go and he's going to be tested. He's going to do battle. And he's going to win the battle by what comes out of his mouth. And after he's won the battle, his destiny is released and he begins his ministry. Church, it's time to cross over. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 